0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Sermon Review at Park Baptist Church. Welcome. Hey, John Whitaker. Hey. Hi. You preached this weekend. I did. I did. Did did you enjoy preaching to the saints at Park Baptist Church? Always. Always. Aren't they a great church to preach to? For sure. That's, they, not, that's not flattery. That's no, true. I love the Word of God. I, I, I preached this past Sunday in Puerto Rico, and every time I preach in another place, I'm like, I really wish I was with my <laughs> church family. <laughs> There's nothing like being home. What did you preach on? Uh, I preached on Acts 11, through, uh, sorry, 19 through 30, the planting of Antioch. The church of Antioch is planted by ordinary, normal Christians. Mm. Um, What's their names? Uh, some of them. Some of them. Some of them. Don't even know their names, yeah. but the Lord knows. Does, um, yes. uh, we've been finishing a series on the kingdom parables, right? Um, and Matthew, know, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Do you like the book of Matthew? I love the book of Matthew. Is it fun for you to preach the book of Matthew at Park Baptist Church? It's so much fun. Is it a kind thing that your um, pastor and friend asks you to pre- ask you to preach Matthew twice? Twice, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're going to be nominated to be an elder, I might as well get it. <laughs> this is this is the best he's got, people. <laughs> Please, nothing else.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, well Matthew
0: yeah. Matthew's a fantastic book right for mm-hmm. for many reasons first and foremost it's God's Word right mm-hmm. inspired by the Holy Spirit um, but there's so many things that Matthew's doing mm-hmm. the structure of the book just highlights the, yes. the glory of the gospel
1: yeah I might write an article a small article just why I love Matthew. Cause it's so good, uh, you know, yeah. It just bottles up, you yeah. Know? <laughs> so
0: um, I gave you a great passage. You did. It's it was it was interesting because there's like these two parts that are super encouraging, mm-hmm. and then the last one, which is a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And
1: then you got the other one just tagged on in there at the end. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. Uh, so let's let's look at these uh in Matthew thirteen forty four.
1: Uh, I was talking to Matthew, uh not Matthew, Michael. Sorry, Matthew on the brain. Yeah he preached in the Spanish congregation, and we were just saying uh, how kind it was that we got these parables and not the previous ones, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which are a little bit more difficult. A little to, bit more uh, challenging to teach. Yeah. But, Sorry, keep um, going.
0: Uh, you're, you one day, you know, we'll leave that to the elders for now. One day <laughs> yeah. when you, you know, <laughs> you're an elder, right? All right, uh, so Matthew 13, 44. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Hmm. Uh, The kingdom uh, of heaven is like a merchant of the sea to find pearls. Who, had finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So uh, what do you think the the main thing that Jesus is trying to teach here? Um, That the kingdom of heaven has
1: extreme value and worth. It's treasure and it's worth. Is in comparison to what people are willing to give up for it so my opening illustration was trading cards yeah. you know it's the worth is somewhat determined by how much someone's willing to pay for it and so if here he's trying to draw on his illustration these men are kind of giving a hint in the parable: how much is the kingdom of heaven worth well it's worth everything everything you could possibly give it's it's more valuable.
0: You want to flesh out a little bit more why do you think it's hard for us because obviously the mm-hmm. the understanding of the parable is simple, right? Yes. But maybe the deeper spiritual meaning said it's difficult for the disciples here but also just difficult for us today. How would how would you say that? Yeah, because it's
1: it's difficult and it, maybe somewhat um, using the parables and this as an illustration which I think every week it's difficult right it's difficult because the scripture says these are spiritual truths these are spiritual things and therefore we need the spirit it is impossible otherwise for us to understand them and so what we're trying to grasp and understand is how much is god and being with him worth we don't have really the words to start up a a lot (laughs) you know um but to fully grasp that and fully understand it um we'll never fully get there to be able to articulate this is what it's like and so even the parable it's yeah it's, it's worth a lot that's what he's saying
0: how can people determine if god is their treasure right because that's really what we want mm-hmm. right we want god to be our treasure i think it's the passage that yes. it's infinitely valuable in our mm-hmm. life how do you help people determine am i treasuring god and his kingdom enough enough or, yes. you know, because obviously we want, we want to view ourselves rightly, right. right? Not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Mm-hmm. But we also, I mean, you know, it's always could be more. Mm-hmm. We know that, right? But how do we discern, determine some of that?
1: I think that's part of it, right? It goes into like, he's talking about, are you in the kingdom or are you not in the kingdom? What is the kingdom like? And so here, part of that would be, um, which, which I reference in Luke and other passages, if you're not willing to, you're not worthy of. And that's kind of the point here. So this is where I think for me when I study God's Word, hypothetical situations always help me with applying the text to my own heart. What do I actually believe? And so, um, what were to happen if this were to happen? Right? Well, what would you do? How would I feel? Well, that's the determinant of what I actually value and what is worth. So, all right, I, I value God. Okay, I treasure the kingdom, okay. We're about to go into Daniel, right? It's very similar of like, okay, well, then what will you do when the government tells you this or your job tells you this? Will you treasure it enough to take this loss, to take this? I I think really that's, you see this throughout the the Bible, difficulty, challenge, trials reveal what you love and what you actually care about. I didn't even mention this, right? It's very easy to have joy and comfort and ease. So when trials come, they reveal what do you actually believe what you actually love? And this is where I think the giving things up is revealing the worth and the joy is that he had to, in order to show you how much the kingdom was worth, isn't he just bought it. Both of them gave up everything for it. And so I think C.S. Lewis does this really good job in his narrative of the great divorce, right? Each person is getting an opportunity to go into heaven and he kind of draws this illustration of why each one would want to go, go back to hell. For one mom, it's she can't find her child, right? And what's he's trying to reveal? She doesn't want heaven because her child's out there. Why? Well, she loves her child more than she loves God, right? This man, it's like he's he wants. He's tired of these people. It's like, well, what's going on here? He can't. He doesn't want God more than he wants to be right or whatever. So on and so on. And I think for each of us. Having those things revealed in our life, when trials come, they're a gift from God to show us it's an opportunity to, for us to understand, but also for the other people around us to see, no, it is, actually is worth more than this. I even gave some small illustrations. When you lose your luggage at the airport, that's an opportunity if you say, my joy is not put in my comfort and my ease and my possessions. My joy is found in Jesus Christ. So can I be upset that I lost my luggage? Of course you can be upset. How upset, though? You know, you don't want to be hopeless. You don't want to be distraught. It's, it's fine. It's luggage. Would I have liked to have my luggage? Of course. <laughs> Do I want my iPhone broken? No, of course not. But I'm not going to go into panic or distress because so, these things happen.
0: Question. Yes. Right. You're m- more naturally even keel when it comes to emotions, right? Sure. Yeah. Um. So what would you say to the person who may have a harder time, maybe more emotional, mm-hmm. right? Would yeah. you say that person is when they're more emotional, visibly more emotional, and yes. in that moment they are showing that they don't treasure Christ because they're visibly upset?
1: No, no, of course not. And I even said this, right? when Suffer. Be sad. Do these things and still have joy, right? Paul highlights that. And, um, I think a letter to Corinthians, right? Always suffering, always rejoicing. They don't contradict one another. And so... I think there's something there of, I can feel sad, I can be upset, I can do these things, and yet still have joy there. Joy is, and I think that's the point, the joy and the value is found in the kingdom of heaven. Not there, that where if when circumstances change, their treasure is not there presently. It can't be affected by these things, which is really going back to Matthew 6. You see that kind of... Moth cannot, you know, eat. Rust cannot destroy. thieves cannot, you know, take this joy away. It's there, and so when trials come and go, I think somewhat being able to be even killed is a reflection of my hope is there. Now, what does joy look like? To each person, it may be different, right? If you're not ever emotionally moved or stirred, I'm a very stoic person. I hear you. I understand that. And yet, at the same time, if you're not emotional, God has given us emotions in some way when you hear of Jesus and what he did for you. God left heaven and died on the cross. That should move you in some way. I'm not saying you have to cry. I'm not saying you have to dance. I'm not saying you have to do these things. We're not all David who let go of our wardrobe and start dancing down the streets. That's not everyone. And yet, at the same time, we should know in our heart we don't I was even thinking about this today. I want to go to applications for the text. Um, there's a book on how to read the, the Bible, and he says one of the ways we can substitute application for things. One of them he says we can um substitute uh rationalization for change, change life. We can start beginning to say why this doesn't apply to me. And if that's our first thought, of like, yeah, I hear you, but this, I'd be like, oh, easy, like. Think about what it would like before you start rationalizing why this doesn't apply to you in that way. So I think we, we want to separate joy from emotion, and yet they do overlap in some ways, but they aren't exactly the same.
0: yeah is that's, that, yeah that, that's good. There's a lot of rambling to get that. no no, point. <laughs> no I think that there is uh, everyone expresses joy in different ways. Mm-hmm. sometimes someone who is very joyful in the presence of God may be mm-hmm. silent. Mm-hmm. some people may may shout some people mm-hmm. um, you may cry some people may may mm-hmm. laugh so there's there's different ways to show it I think that the the goal of what you're trying to draw out is whatever your emotional makeup is mm-hmm. you need to have joy because that reveals that you're treasuring christ right in yes. joy you were willing to sell all you had yes. right so like you're willing to joyfully lay down your life mm-hmm. and sacrifice because the kingdom of heaven and Christ is worth more right and that's let me think of like
1: um Joy you know, joy in the kingdom could look like when you find yourself in sin weeping and mourning. Right? I don't think joy is always once again happy. I, I have found my joy in the kingdom, so therefore when I do something against the king, it breaks my heart. Yeah. You know, that's still I think is finding joy in the kingdom or so on and so on. I think you're it's not always happy, smiley. It's where does your joy is your joy found? In the kingdom will show, show and manifest itself differently and once again some people are more emotional than others it can be silence it can be i, I hear that um but i am like you said i am more on the more stoic side for a lot of those things and i have to really challenge myself and i don't want to give myself a free pass to say because i'm like this therefore i've given my excuse to not feel emotion no no i should be moved by the things of god now what that looks like will determine person to person. Sure.
0: Would you add anything that you want to say to the congregation that maybe you didn't say versus those two parables? Um, no, I, I don't think so.
1: I mean, I gave those kind of particular encouragements for these things and I think a lot of it is you know, summarized in, 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 the, in that main point, the kingdom will cost us and I think it will cost us Jesus says if you want if you want your life you must give it up. Yeah. If you hold on to it you'll lose it. And I think that's that's not just in our justification, I think it's also in our sanctification. We should be looking at what are part of our lives that we're holding on to that we're not handing over. And and I think it can be difficult especially for our church for some of these things Is I, I we have good doctrine and we think of our ecclesiology and theologies and all theologies right and we read the books and yet in our day-to-day we can find ourselves in our home stressed and grumbling and complaining it's like what is the point of the this good doctrine if it's not i have joy when i get home tired yeah it's like I, i think there's a disconnect there from what we're believing to what we're actually yeah that's, good.
0: that's a good word. Uh, well, obviously, the, the, all these parables, in one sense, can be isolated individually, but they also can be read together. Yeah, you know. So I think be. that we yeah. see that in the next parable, kind of a connection to maybe some language that's in previous parables. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in verse 47, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. Mm-hmm. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
1: Yes, and I, I think, I think I uh, what was my point there? The kingdoms uh, consequences. consequences, right? And I think, you know, just kind of preparing for this, right? You have hidden treasure, pearl of great price. Okay, that makes sense, right? And then after this, you're going to have treasures again. So you've seen this theme of like treasure. And value right here and then right in the middle you have this kind of like judgment and really like you said the language is used for, like we even quoted it right it goes up to the parable of the weeds yeah. and and so, and so the question has to be then why does Matthew put it here and not tie it in with the parable of the weeds right why does he wait and bring it back up again later and I think he's trying to highlight that what we attribute our value and worth and our joy in will have consequences it will, and so it's like, there's judgment. Well, yeah, we've seen that already. Why are you telling us again? Well, I think there's going to be judgment based on, it causes evil, based on what you value and what you find your joy in. And I think that's something that would have hit hard for the Jewish audience who thought Messiah is coming earthly, worldly, keep the law, you're good. And I think he's trying to turn that upside down. It's like, you no, know, your heart, where's your heart at? Do you have joy in the things of God and his kingdom? Yes, it's like, Okay, like, but I think if you looked at the Pharisees, you looked at how they were living. I don't think the heart was being moved. I think it was looked good on the outside, and so that would have been hard for them.
0: So, as a pastor, how how would you feel if someone was listening to this sermon and hearing that about Mm -hmm. the fish and talking about joy and maybe Mm -hmm. I don't have the joy that I want? Mm -hmm. Am I in danger of being thrown away at the end of the age into the fiery furnace? If
1: you're saying, if you reflect on your life and you say I don't have joy,
0: well, I'm not saying I don't have all the joy that I want.
1: Yeah. so i guess here's here's yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, I, I here's,
0: here's what you're here's what mm. i'm asking pastorally yeah, yeah. you have people coming to church mm. who want to have the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. like being willing to sell all that they have mm-hmm. with joy yes they don't determine all that yet yes right and maybe after hearing the parable of um the fish and the gathered net they feel discouraged mm-hmm. and feel condemned Pastorally, would yeah. you? How would you? How would you navigate? How would navigate that?
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, right? I don't want to make people who are following the Lord feel guilty and condemned, and yet I don't want people feel like they're okay when they're actually, yeah. you know, having condemnations waiting for them. I think there's there's there are tests or things, and I think this is one of them. Like, where is your? Where do you find yourself joy? Right? Is your joy? And you look at your life your life is it found in things of God or is it in the things of this world? Is it in him, with him and his kingdom? Right? I think uh, John Piper has that famous quote, right? If you could have heaven and everything in it and all, but God's not there, would you still? It's a good question to be asking. Am I living Am I living for heaven or am I living for God? Am I living for comfort? To, am I living for the gifts from God or am I living for God himself? And I think all that to say, um, we don't know. Like, I can't look at someone and say, you're good or you're not good. And yet, at the same time, I think these are things for us to ask, to plead for the Spirit, for Him to tell me, okay, am I safe? That's the question. Am I am I good? What well, do you want? Do you have a craving at all for God? Do you have a, a resentment towards your sin? My rebellion that I was in, and my, do I believe Jesus? I trust that he did do this for me. He died and he rose again. And then do I have joy and, and value and treasure in that? Yes. Okay, I think you're safe. I think you're justified. But once again, if your life is not characterized by this, not perfectly, but characterized by that, there's either two things. It's either, okay, there's things I need to repent of and grow in and and in time it will be revealed. Or you say, Okay, I'm good. I don't need to grow in these areas, or there is no growth, there is no fruit. Cause I think you go back to the parable of the um the soils. I think he yeah when the fruit comes, it comes in abundance. Yeah, and um we can be hard judges of
0: ourselves. Well, I think you know one of the things I was thinking through mm-hmm. is that we can be hard judges of ourselves, but we're also not careful judges, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't often look to the heart and mm-hmm. do the hard working of the heart because it's just easier to move on, mm-hmm. right? It's easier to hear a message and just go about our business. Not to hear the message and let it sink into mm-hmm. my heart yeah. and ask the real hard questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, John Flavel would say the, um, the hardest part of winning a Christian is, is winning the heart. The mm-hmm. hardest part of keeping staying a Christian is keeping the heart. Right, right yeah. You know, it's like how do we can continue to cultivate those, the, a, a, a good reflection yeah. of our heart.
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, I think, right, I usually have general things I give people of like, Okay. Do I have a love for God? Okay. Well, do I, do I love God's word? Do I love talking to Him in prayer? Do I have a hatred towards my sin? Do I want to share Jesus with others? Do I love my brothers and sisters who are in Christ? This is like a general template. Really, First John's kind of highlighting those. This is, you may know. Yeah. But then I think this one's going a little bit more right. It's well. Do you have joy? Do you re, do you think the laws? You know, first John says this as well. Do you think the commands of God are burdensome? Right. Is there things you have to do or things that you want to do? And I think C.S. Lewis articulates this well where he says, it's not just do I want to, it's do I want to, want to. In my deepest yeah. heart, do I love God? Do I hate sin? Do I love the things of God? Okay, well, that's a good indication that there is something there. And these are just, they're signs to help us understand. But once again, like, if you're in a place of I don't know, my encouragement is that you have to make a decision right there and there. Am I actually a believer? My thing is pursue God. Yeah. P- pursue God. See the scriptures, repent of the things you think you're not doing well of and just and, and get someone else to help you get accountability and pray that and when you come back in time you'll look back and say, I actually have grown. It's not, am I this at the standard? Because our standard yeah. is Jesus. The question is, am I growing in my joy? Am I growing in my love for God and things of God? Not am I at this place shit where I've become secure? I,
0: yeah, well, I think, you know, just a reminder of Paul's words. Paul said, you know, not that I've been made perfect mm-hmm. or obtained this, but one thing I do is I forget what is behind and mm-hmm. I press onto what is ahead. And I try to grab hold yeah. of the Lord Jesus who has grabbed hold of me. Right? Because Jesus is holding me, mm-hmm. right, I'm safe. Right. And nothing can snatch me out of his hands mm-hmm. if I belong to him. Uh, but we do want to have an honest reflection of our heart mm-hmm. because the, the heart is deceitfully wicked. And the Bible often says, do not be deceived.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and just one quick more thing. We've said this right. We can be bad judges of ourselves. One, I think we need to look at longer spans of time, not weeks and you know, but months, years, and also we should be involved enough in our our church that people are able to speak. Even a couple weeks ago, I had a brother text me out of the blue. When you look at my life the past six months last year, do you think I've grown? He said, "Since you've known me, have you seen growth in my in my life?" And I was thinking about it. I was able to say. Not just flattery, you're doing fine. I literally could look back and say, yes, you've grown. You've grown in this, you've grown in this, and you've grown in this. And I think that's a beauty the local church offers us is that ability to take the fruit off our branches, take a bite and say, you're more patient than you were. Yeah. You're more joyful than you were. You're more kind than you were. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amen. Well, last parable. Have you uh, understood all these things they said to him? Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Let's just wrap up here and maybe make some final thoughts on that you would kind of yes. uh, leave the people with. I think it can be confusing at first, but I think there's some clues
1: there that kind of help us understand that he's not talking about scribes as a vocation. He's using that as a... Especially because when we think of first century, the misconception is it's the only person who wrote Scripture down, but at this time, they weren't just writing. They were the ones who were... Acquainted with the scriptures and are able to teach others and things like that so i think he's getting that of the people in the kingdom of heaven yeah. will be like these people who know the, the word and i think he's saying the old old testament and the new teachings of jesus and saying they treasure them both and so with that i think that's the whole point of he's he but i think he's applicable to us in that he's once again calling this treasure the words of God, the teachings of Jesus, as well as the Old Testament, they're treasure, They're to be valued, and therefore,
0: that's what we should do. <laughs> we should value them. Yeah. Amen. Well, um, give, give one 10-second uh, plug on why people should read the book of Matthew from cover to cover. You said how long? 10, ten se- seconds.
1: 10 seconds. Um, he helps you understand your Old Testament better. He has a heart for Gentiles and the nations and evangelism. And three, it's easier to understand and how it's broken up in sections and structures. So it's easier if you're trying to learn how to study God's word. It's a great place
0: to start. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for John Whitaker and his love for your word and his love for your church. We thank you that he uh, faithfully uh, taught your word to God's people. We pray, God, that we as a congregation would be a people who would pursue Christ and his kingdom with great joy, mm-hmm. be willing to lay down all that we have uh, to grab that pearl of great price. Mm-hmm. So, Father, we thank you for Christ, um, and we offer this in his name. Amen.